book of Galatians. Thank you, Miss Krista, for filling in for us today. That was beautiful. I'm glad that our Bible says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. We're so thankful for that. Man, what a God we serve today. Isn't it great to be in the Lord's house? It's wonderful. Hey, listen, I'm going to do something today uh, that I don't often do, and uh, I'm going to, once again, I'm going to break the message up into two parts. And uh, I, don't, I don't usually do that. I don't usually preach part one and part two on Sunday, uh, just every, every blue moon, every once in a while, but uh, just the way it's worked out last Sunday and this Sunday. But I'm going to be honest with you, this first point, I've got four points I want to give you today, and this first point is so incredibly important that I didn't want to rush. I didn't want to rush through it. And so uh, uh, maybe we'll be um, a little bit more brief this morning or something, but I'll, we'll preach part one uh, this morning, and then Lord willing, I'll, I'll bring part two tonight, if that's what the Lord leads us to do. I think he's leading us to do that. And so <clears throat> Galatians chapter four in your Bibles, and uh, uh, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of their respect for the reading of the word of God and and we did what we call responsive reading Wednesday night. And that was wonderful. I enjoyed it. In fact, I think we're going to do it again today. And so uh, responsive reading is I'll read the first verse and you read the next verse with me. And then I'll read the next verse and you read the next verse with me. And you sound so good reading the scriptures. And so Galatians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse number 12. I'll read verse 12 and then you read verse 13 and so on. All right. And so Galatians chapter 4, are you happy in the Lord? I hope you are. I hope you are. I'll not keep you long this morning. So just hang in there with me just for a little bit today. Galatians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul is speaking to the churches of Galatia here. In verse 12, he's talking to Christian people because he starts out by saying brethren. So he's not talking to the lost. He's talking to, to saved people here. Verse 12, brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. You have not injured me at all. Verse 13 together, ready? Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despise not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel, even as Christ Jesus. Verse 15 together, ready? Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth, verse 17, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. And we're gonna finish up on verse number 19 together. Ready? My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And what Paul was saying was, oh, I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to grow up. I want you to become like Christ. That's what he's talking about there. And uh, many of these people, Paul had led to the Lord himself. And he had founded this church. And so he's writing back to these people that he had led to Christ. And he said, man, I want you to grow. I want you to grow in the Lord. I want you to make sure that you're uh, founded and that you're established in the faith. And so I want to talk to you about that subject, where is your blessedness? I thought about titling it something else, 
I thought about uh, calling it what's robbing you of your joy or uh, what's stealing you of your happiness or that kind of thing. But we're just going to talk about that a little bit today. Where is your blessedness? You may be seated this morning and uh, we're going to go to the Lord together as a church family. We're going to pray and ask the Lord to help us because we understand that uh, if the Lord doesn't help us, we're in a bad way today. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And we need the help of the Lord today. We need his breath and his, his touch. And so um, I'll lead us. And while I'm leading us, let's all pray together as a church family today. Father, we love you. And thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary, uh, Lord, this morning. And Lord, I thank you for this great service, the music and the singing. And uh, Lord, all that's, that's been uh, done today, we appreciate this time of ministry and now, Lord, as we take just a few moments and, Lord, take part in what we call the preaching of the Word of God, I'm reminded in the book of Corinthians that, Lord, you promised us that you chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Lord, you said that to the world that preaching is foolishness. But unto us which believe, <clears throat> the Bible says that it's the power of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless the preaching and, and the teaching of the Word of God today. Father, I pray for your power. <clears throat> I need it today. I pray also you'd touch us physically. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd fill our people today, your people, fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the Word, but I pray that we would be doers of the Word. Lord, I don't know the last time that I spoke on a subject that's, that's as important as the, one, as the one that I'm getting ready to teach on right now. And so I pray that you'll give us hearing ears. Lord, have your way in the service. I pray that Christ would receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. We plead the blood of Jesus that we sang about a little earlier. We plead that blood of Christ over the service. And Father, I pray that you'd bind the powers of darkness now and distraction and God, keep them away from this place. We love you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all of God's people said, amen. Well, I'm specifically interested in verse 15. That's our text verse. Paul says, where is then the blessedness ye spake of? Paul said, for I bear your record that if it had been possible ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Now, we'll explain that maybe in just a, a little bit more detail in just a little bit, maybe. Blessedness. I want to concentrate on that word today, blessedness. In Galatians chapter 4, verse number 15, the word blessedness means to utter a declaration of blessedness upon one, which is the context of what Paul is talking about here. We notice the root word. The root word of blessedness, of course, is blessed, blessed. Uh, the word blessed there means happiness, happiness. But it also implies this. The word can be used as an interjection, meaning how happy? Not a question, but an interjection. How happy? How happy with an exclamation point? How happy? In other words, Paul was saying to the church of Galatia, there was a time when you were so blessed and how happy you were. That's what he's saying. Boy, there was a time when you were all smiles and all joy and 
You were so excited. In fact, Paul is saying this, that you weren't simply experiencing the blessings of God, but he said, you were talking about it. Man, you were speaking of it. Somebody said, verse number, verse number 15, where is then the blessing that she spake of? He said, man, it, it went past you just being blessed, but you begin to talk about your blessedness and you begin to, you were so full of happiness. You were so happy that he said, man, you were, you were speaking about it. You were under the spout where the glory comes out and you were telling others about it. You were sharing that joy with other people. You were in that place where the shout had not died out. And by the way, I hope that Calvary Baptist Church will always be that place where the shout never dies out. We want to be under the spout where the glory is coming out. By the way, how many know this? That's a great place to be. <laughs> when, you're, when you are so full of joy that it just emanates from you. I mean, it just you just glow. You just glow with it. Sometimes people look at you and like, man, what is, what is up with you? What is wrong with you? And what it is is you got Jesus. That's what it is. And, and the happiness of the Lord is, uh, uh, is in your soul. I, I, boy, I wish I, I, all these years now I've preached my singing voice away. There used to be a time when I, I could rear back and sing a little bit. I wish I had that voice to sing. And if I could, man, I'd just rear back and I'd sing, happy am I? The song says, Jesus is mine forever, never to leave, always in each endeavor, leading me on to a life ending never, giving a smile every mile, happy am I. Did you know that ought to sum up the life of the child of God? Now, I know you got burdens this morning. I know you do. You say, preacher, if you only knew. And I, I, I get it this morning. I know that you've got burdens and valleys and you, some of you are going through terrible storms right now. And I, I'm not uh, belittling those times, but, but I'm just saying this, that when you've got Jesus inside, did you know it really doesn't matter what you're going through? Right. Did you know when you are so full of Jesus that your circumstances don't control you, but you control the circumstances? And somebody said this, somebody said that, you know, it's time that we quit telling God how big our mountains are and start telling our mountains how big our God is. And he's mighty big this morning. He is a very, very big God. I'm talking about, man, just being so full of joy and so full of happiness. I, whenever I begin to talk about that, I can't help but think about the gentleman that would go to work each day. And man, he, he's what I'm talking about. He, just, he was just glowing. I mean, he was just glowing. His coworkers knew there was something different about him. And every day he'd come in, man, just smiling and he'd be whistling and man, just had the joy of the Lord. And, and, and finally, one of his coworkers came to him and they said, man, what is your deal? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, man, every day, he said, even Monday, man, you come in, everybody else is just dragging and everybody's lips are dragging into the ground. People are coming in with hangovers and man, you come in, just be bopping in and you've got, a, you've got an electricity in your step and you're always smiling and always whistling. And, and they said, man, what is your deal? Why are you so happy? And he said, I'll tell you why I'm happy. He said, I'm happy because I'm saved. <laughs> and the guy said, well, how do you know you're saved? He said, I know because I was there when it happened, amen. 
And how many, how many of you were there when it happened? Amen. If you weren't there when it happened, it ought to happen today. Man, I'm so glad that, that we can have the joy of the Lord in our soul, in our life. And that's what Paul's asking here. Paul is asking this question of the Galatian church, where's it at? Where's your blessedness? Where's that joy? Where's that glow that you used to have? He said, man, you, there was a time, Galatian church, when, when you were so full of joy that, man, it didn't just smile, but you shared it and you sung about it and you talked about it and you preached it. And, and Paul is saying, man, what happened to your joy? What happened to your blessedness? In fact, notice this, Paul says this. Paul says, man, you were so fired up about truth. You were even excited about the truth teller. That's what he said. Verse number 15, look at verse number 15. He says, where is then the blessedness he spake of? He said, for I bear your record. He said, I'm telling you the truth. He said that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Now someone says, preacher, what in the world is that talking about? Well, it's believed that Paul had a very serious eye condition. In fact, some scholars believe that the apostle Paul was, was almost, he was almost blind. Paul could barely see. Uh, and and uh, others believe that, that Paul's eyes had some type of a, an affliction where his eyes would mat up, they would run. It was very evident when you saw Paul. He was just a short little Jew and just a man of uh, maybe of little stature, but he had this major eye problem. And Paul said to the church of Galatia, he said, you know, there was a time in your life when he said you were so excited about truth and you were so excited even about the one that brought you truth. He said that if it would have been possible, he said you would have taken at your own eyes and given them to, to me because he, he said you saw that I was suffering where is your blessedness that's what Paul was saying where's your joy where is that glow now when I, I I don't know this for sure but I'm I'm pretty sure probably that there's somebody here this morning that can probably relate to what I'm talking about maybe there was a time in your life when you had a glow Maybe it was early on in your life when you first got saved. And you say, Pastor, I'm telling you, when I first got born again, I was so fired up. Man, there was a time I used to say amen in church. There was a time when I was faithful to the house of God. Preacher, there was a time when I read my Bible every day and I spent time in prayer every day. And, 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 and preacher, there was a time when we had family altar with our, when our kids were smaller. And, and I mean, literally, I would uh, give out gospel tracts and I would share Jesus with people at work. And, and, and people knew that I was excited and they knew that I was happy in the Lord. And, and they, could just see a, they could just see a glow about me and... Uh, uh, but, but pastor, somewhere along the line, I, uh, something happened to that blessedness. I, I lost that joy. I, I lost that happiness. I, I lost that glow that I used to have. I, I lost the shout that I used to have. And I don't say amen like I used to. And I don't relish in the Bible like I used to. And I'm not happy in the Lord like I used to be. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I want to ask you a question. Where is your blessedness? Where'd it go? Well, I believe we find some things here in the book, book of Galatians that, that caused the Galatians to lose their joy. Some things that caused them to lose their blessedness. The apostle Paul is referencing that here. I want to show you a few of those today if I could. How about this? Number one, this is as far as we'll get today. 
Number one, we notice a willful turning away from doctrine. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Galatians lost their joy. They lost their excitement because of a willful turning away from doctrine. Now look in your Bibles, Galatians chapter four and verse number nine. Verse number nine. Paul says this, but now. He said, but now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. In other words, you guys know. You know the truth. You've been exposed to the right kind of preaching. You've been exposed to the right kind of teaching. By the way, to whom much is given, much is required, Calvary Baptist Church. And he says here, but now after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, look what he says, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. These people had heard the message of grace, and yet they were determined to go back under the law. And the apostle Paul writes to them and he says, man, what are you thinking? He said, you've heard right preaching. You've heard right teaching. Someone poured into you. Someone invested into you. Someone directed you in the right way. Someone pointed you in the right way. But he said, you willfully and purposely have turned away from that. In fact, look what he says in verse 16. Paul, very bluntly, Paul says this, am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. You know what our Bible is teaching is here that Paul began exposing these Galatians to the truth and evidently they became a little offended. And so Paul was a truth teller. By the way, by the way, you know what? Last time I checked, preachers are supposed to be truth tellers. You know what? I, I'm, always, I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed at people who want everybody in the whole world to tell them the truth, except preachers. Isn't that amazing? You go to the doctor, you go to the doctor, you've got a severe uh, appendicitis uh, and uh, you need to have your appendix taken out. And you go to the doctor and you say, Doc, I, man, I, I don't feel good. I didn't feel good in several days. I've got a high fever. I've got some issues. And uh, boy, I, 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 don't, I, I feel terrible. I need you to check me out. And the doctor takes you back. He runs a numerous test. And a little bit later, he comes out and he says to you, he says, well, uh, Mr. Pope, he said, I, I think what it is, I, I, I think you probably got a cold. Now, he knows that you need to have your appendix taken out. But he says, you probably got a cold or a virus. You know what? Let me look in your ear. I think you've got an ear infection. Now, truth of the matter is, if later down the road your appendix burst and that poison spreads into your body, you and you found out that doctor knew but didn't tell you the truth, you'd probably sue him. If you didn't sue him, you'd at least go back and let him know about it. You mean to tell me that you knew all along that I had a severe problem uh, going on in my body and you didn't tell me the truth? You see, if we go to the doctor, we want the doctor to tell us the truth. If we go to our attorney and our attorney, we've got some kind of a major issue in our life, we go to our attorney and by the way, they don't, they, they're usually not free. In fact, they're usually quite expensive. 
And so you pay your attorney big, gigantic bucks and then only to find out that your attorney didn't tell you the truth. He, he just sort of passed it over. And uh, you know what the truth matter is? You would be upset with your attorney because he did not share with you the truth. Now, the, if that's true with doctors and if that's true with attorneys, it ought to be true in the local church today. And, and unfortunately, so many people are walking to churches where preachers are not telling them what they need to hear. They're just uh, giving them some kind of little, you know, some kind of little sermonette, you know, and uh, just something to soothe their conscience and send them on their way. And you know what? Just keep my insurance package coming and make sure you provide for my car and make sure that you give me my house salary and I'll just keep tickling your ears and tell you what you want to hear. I'm telling you, we ought to get back to the place in America where churches become places of the truth again. And I know that people say, well, you know, preacher, if you tell the truth like it ought to be told, we, we may not ever be the, the largest church in Iowa County. We may not be the largest church in Iowa County, but that's not what we started out to be. We want to be tellers of the truth. And the apostle Paul is exposing these people to truth. And they get bent out of shape. In fact, Paul says, wow, am I your enemy now? Well, there was a time when you would have took your own eyes out and given them to me, and now, well, now you won't even talk to me. <laughs> well, I could preach this a lot of different ways this morning. You know, if you leave Calvary, we don't have to be enemies. But unfortunately, that's how it is a lot of times. I'm always amazed at people who leave this church, and then they won't even talk to me. I'm like, man, I used to be your pastor. I preached your funerals. I married your kids. I visited you in the hospital, and you won't even, won't even stop and shake my hand. In fact, they see the preacher coming. They go the opposite way. Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's what Paul is, is, is saying now. Now, this is so important, and I hope you'll hang on every word. And this is why I decided to break this message up, because I want to camp out on this first point a little bit today. Can I tell you today what truth always does? Truth exposes error. Truth exposes error. We're not the only good church. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We're not the only good church. Thank God there are many good churches out there. But let me tell you one of the reasons that we are a good church at Calvary Baptist Church is because I believe we're a church that tells the truth. And truth exposes error. Truth sheds light on things that are wrong and things that are potentially harmful. Now, I'm gonna give you a verse. I've got it in big, bold letters on your screen today. John chapter three and verse number 19. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in John three and verse number 19. And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. Not everybody's going to flock to Calvary Baptist Church. You know why? Because deeds are evil. And so if you, and by the way, aren't you glad that you go to church where everybody's welcome? Amen. And everybody is welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. If you've been here any time at all, I think you, that's one of the things you've learned, that everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Doesn't matter where you come from. 
Everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church, but not everybody's going to enjoy coming to Calvary. Because at Calvary Baptist Church, we're going to expose error with the truth. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Look at verse 20. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh into the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. You see, truth sheds light on things that are potentially harmful. The other night, I needed to go down to our shed. We have a little shed down below our house, and it was dark, and I've made that little track many times in the dark. I don't even know why I've done this. But that night, I was, it was pitch dark, and I, was, uh, I went out our backsliding door, and I was on my way to the shed, and for some reason, I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna pull my cell phone out. I'm gonna use my flashlight on my cell phone. I turned my flashlight on, and I'm, just, I'm walking to the shed, and sure enough, there was a snake. I'm going to tell you all something. I hate snakes, man. You say, preacher, I love them. Well, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. There was a snake. I mean, right where I'm about to step. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, thank God I had my life. You say, preacher, what kind was it? I don't care what kind it was. It was a snake. And I don't want anything to do with it. Red, yellow, black, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want anything to do with it. But that, wait a minute now, that light, that light exposed something that was potentially harmful. You see, light sheds, uh, light shows things and exposes things. If you've ever done this, if you've ever been to one of these uh, uh, restaurants, what they call it, fine dining Fine dining. I'm not talking about McDonald's, all right? I'm talking about fine dining. I'm talking about the kind of places where they don't pay the light bill. And you walk in and everything's sort of candlelit. And uh, my wife and I, we've been to, you know, been to a couple of these a few times in our life. And interesting, uh, if you order a steak in a place like this, when the waiter comes out and brings your steak, he has a little flashlight in his pocket. And he'll say, sir, if you'll cut into your steak. And then he, he lets you cut in your steak and he cuts his flashlight on and he shines it on your steak. He wants to expose whether that steak is cooked the way you want it to be cooked. That light exposes things. If you've ever gone to the ER with some type of a trauma, maybe you're in a, maybe you're in a, a car accident of some kind and you went to the ER all banged up and maybe you've got some lacerations and some different things. And one of the very first things that the ER doctor does is that he shines a light into your eye. He wants to see if your pupil is gonna dilate. That light exposes potential problems. We have mechanics in our church this morning and some great mechanics in our church today. And oftentimes a mechanic will have as part of his tools, he'll have a light. And he uses that light to expose potential problems within that motor. Sometimes there are places in that motor that are dark. 
And the human eye cannot see maybe that crack in the hose or, or that problem with the belt or, uh, or uh, the crack in the motor or whatever the case may be. And that mechanic takes that flashlight out and he, he shines that light in. Are you following me this morning? He shines that light into the motor and that light exposes a potential problem within the motor. When people hear the truth, let me tell you what it does. It shines light on things that are potentially harmful and destructive. And here's, here's, here's the clincher. Here's the clincher. And it often brings conviction. Conviction. Let me give you a verse. Up here on your screen. Acts chapter 2. Peter, they are Pentecost. The Spirit of God has filled the apostles. Peter is standing there on the steps of the temple and, uh, and we, my wife and I, we've been there right there on those steps and, and Peter begins to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and look what it says here in Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, what this preacher? The truth. When they heard this, not what the Pharisees taught, not what the Sadducees taught, not all that much of mumbo jumbo stuff that they were used to hearing, but when they heard this, when they heard the truth, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? What are you, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying conviction came. Let me give you another verse. How about Acts chapter 24, verse number 25? The apostle Paul, uh, you better be careful if you give the apostle Paul liberty. And the politicians have given Paul the liberty to preach the truth. And if Paul preaches, Paul's going to preach the truth. And notice what happens in verse number 25. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, look what happened. Felix trembled. Man, he, I mean, it scared him out of his boots. You know what that was? Conviction. Truth often brings conviction. Now hear me out, church. Here's the vital thing. It's important that we deal correctly with conviction. All right. Okay, if you're asleep, wake up. Everybody look up here. All right, your pastor wants to help you. I'm about to help you. The Lord's about to help you right now. So when we preach the truth, truth exposes error. The truth of the word of God sheds light onto that which can be potentially harmful. That's why we have church. So we can preach the truth. And as you come in here and the Spirit of God fills this place and fills each of us and truth goes out, you know what it does? It sheds light on that error. It sheds light on those things that may be potentially harmful in your life or my life and it brings something called conviction. Well, at that point, it's very important that you and I respond right with conviction. You see, conviction is not a bad thing. Conviction is a very good thing. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm coming back. Why? Because I came the other day and you preached, and man, I mean, something was bothering me. It's called conviction. You say, Preacher, I've went to some other churches before, and you know, we just, well, we had a time, I mean, you know, and we just, you know. I never felt anything like it. And I started coming to Calvin. All of a sudden, I mean, it's like there's something like going 
knocking on my heart and there's something like uh, trying to get into my mind and, and, uh, and, 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 and I, and I uh, sometimes I, I you know, preach, I, I've never done this. Sometimes I feel like I need to come to the altar and sometimes I feel like I need to pray and, and, uh, and, I, and you say, preach, I don't understand what's going on. Wonderful, wonderful. Let me tell you what it is. It's Holy Spirit conviction. And it's important that you understand that conviction is not a bad thing. Conviction is a very good thing. What do you mean, preacher? You know what conviction is? Conviction just means this. Conviction means he's still working on you. (laughs) He's not done with you. He's not given up on you. Listen, if the Spirit of God is knocking on your door, if the Spirit of God is working in your heart about something that's going on in your life, and He's coming to you and He's saying, you need to get rid of that. You need to get that out of your life. You need to quit talking like that. You need to quit looking at things like that. You need to quit acting like that. Hey, what you ought to do rather than run out that door, is you ought to run up to this altar and say, Lord, thank you for dealing with my heart. Lord, thank you for not giving up on me because I don't know about you, but I know about me and I've given him ample opportunity to give up on me. But he never has. And that conviction means that the Lord is, it means that he's not done. It means, listen to this, it means that God is attempting to make something greater out of your life. Boy, don't you love the Bible. So a guy's got this, He's got this huge rock in front of him. He's a sculptor. He's got a chisel in one hand and a big old hammer in the other. He's chiseling this big rock. And a guy walks up and he says, man, what in the world? He said, what are you you making? What are you sculpting? And the guy's just knocking off a chunk here and he's knocking off a chunk there and a little down here and something up here. And and he says, what are you you sculpting? He said, I'm sculpting an elephant. And the guy said, wow. Wow. He said, how do you do that? And the guy said, I just knock off everything that don't look like an elephant. You know what conviction is? Conviction is God knocking off everything that don't look like Jesus. Oh, that don't need to be there. Let's get rid of that. Uh, no, we can't do it. Let's get rid of that right there. No, no, that's not the right. Let's, let's, let's change that. Hey, let's make an about face right here and just keep knocking off and keeps knocking off things. Why? Not because he's mad at you. Not because conviction. Oh, yes. Man, I'm enjoying this. If nobody else having a good time, I'm having a good time. Not because he hates you. Not because he's angry with you. But he's just knocking off everything that don't look like Jesus. And if God is working in your life today, don't fight it. Realize that conviction is a very good thing now. I'm going to put a statement on your screen. Here's the, here's the deal. We're done. Here's the deal. How you deal with conviction. Number one, you can run from conviction. Or you can respond to conviction. Everybody with me? I read this story this week. It said a well-known professional golfer was playing in a tournament with President Gerald Ford, fellow pro Jack Nicholas, and Billy Graham. After the round was over, one of the other pros on the tour asked, hey, what was it like playing with the president and Billy Graham? And the pro sighed 
with disgust and he said this, I don't need Billy Graham stuffing religion down my throat. With that, he headed for the practice tee. His friend followed and after the golfer had pounded out his fury upon a a bucket of, of golf balls, he asked, was Billy a little rough on you out there? The pro sighed and said with embarrassment, no, he didn't even mention religion. Astonishingly, Billy Graham had said nothing about God, Jesus, or religion, yet the pro stomped away from the game, accusing Billy of trying to ram religion down his throat. You know what that is, church? That's called conviction. Do you know sometimes you can just walk in a place like this and long before the preacher preaches, there's something already going on in your heart. And you're like, wow, what is this? The Lord's whispering to you. The Lord's speaking to you. And you're thinking, Lord, what? Preacher's not even preached yet. You know why? It's because it's not dependent upon the preacher. And the Lord begins to work in your heart and the Lord is knocking off things that don't look like Jesus. Now, let me tell you the sad thing about the church of Galatia is that our Bible tells us they turned away from the light. They turned away from conviction and started listening to the false teachers. You see, they didn't want teaching that brought conviction. And so because of that, they, they turned away. Now, I'm done, but I want you to hear, hear me, church. We are living in the last day when biblical preaching coupled with conviction is no longer popular. In fact, in fact, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 3 says this, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Itching ears. Preachers, what in the world? Itching ears. Itching ears. Tell me what you want to hear. Deacon board, tell me what you want to hear. Young people, tell me what you want to hear. Congregation, tell me what you want to hear. And what you want to hear, that's what I'll preach. Teachers with itching ears, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, you can close your Bibles. We're done. But I want to make a statement. And the statement is this. If you choose to respond rather than run, if you choose to respond to conviction of truth, get ready for your life to be changed. So if you come to church like this and the Holy Ghost of God reaches inside and grabs your heart and squeezes it, and by the way, when God squeezes your heart really good, the juice will run out. Did you know that? A lot of times. And the Spirit of God squeezes your heart and he says, you need to get that right. You need to go this direction. You need to get more faithful to church. You need to get in your Bible. You need to start praying. And the Spirit of God start working. Here's the thing. If you'll stop and say, I know the tendency is to run. I know the tendency is to bucket. I know the tendency is to rebel. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to trust my preacher. I'm going to trust what the Lord says. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run. But I tell you what I'm going to do, preacher. I'm going to respond. Hold on tight because you're getting ready to be for the ride of your life. God is going to change your life.
Ronald Deans, Ronald will tell you, when you get in heaven, you ask him. Ronald's in heaven. He's, he's amening me on today. Ronald Deans was the town drunk. If we had an Otis like Andy Griffith, Ronald Deans was him. him. Only thing is, they sort of make light of that with a lot of fun. Ronald's situation was no fun. He was a drunk, and he was a drunk in the worst sort. Ronald didn't have but one pair of clothes. He had a pair of blue dicky work pants and a blue, like a blue work shirt. He wore it every day, every day of his life. So what he wore, didn't have anybody, had a little dog that ran around with him, didn't have a car, had a bicycle that he would ride around. You'd see Ronald around the community sometimes. You'd run into him, and Ronald be, he'd be leaning over against, uh, over against something. Eyes bloodshot, just as red as Tyler's shirt right here. Eyes just bloodshot. You couldn't really hardly see any of, the, any of the white in his eyes. So drunk. Just had to lean against something because he couldn't stand up. His face was just blood red. I remember talking to Ronald one day. We met him down here at a local business, and Ronald was just hanging out, just sort of holding himself up. And I went over and met Ronald Deans for the first time. And it wasn't long after that, we were down here in the old building, Sunday morning service. Bicycle pulled in. Ronald Deans, the town drunk. Walked in the old church. He sat on this side of the church, all the way in the very back on the back row. We wonder why, why Ronald was there. He must need some food. Ronald must need some money. He must be starving. And uh, we started the service, had the service. God blessed that day. I preached the, the message that day and I gave the invitation and Ronald Dean stepped out from the back row and he walked the aisle and I thought, okay, here we go. But Ronald's gonna say, pastor, I gotta have some food. Preacher, can you help me pay a bill? He didn't have any bills. I don't, I don't think Ronald had any electricity. And Ronald came down. I shook his hand. I said, hey, Ronald, what can I do for you? He said, preacher, I need to be saved. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, Ronald. Had one of our men come and they took Ronald, dealt with him about the gospel and Ronald got, Ronald got saved. By the way, Sunday night, bicycle pulled in. Ronald Deans came back on Sunday night. Wednesday night, bicycle pulled in. Ronald Deans came to the house of God on Wednesday night. Next Sunday, bicycle pulled in. I noticed Ronald tried to start tucking in that Blue Dickie work shirt, and, and he got him a, one of these old little uh, award Bibles, a little uh, three or four dollar Bible, and he started carrying that little Bible, and, and, and God began to change Ronald's life. By the way, it wasn't long after that, God took him to heaven. I've always believed God did that in mercy. And Ronald's in heaven, I believe I'll see him. And you know what? I, you know what I'm glad about? I'm glad, Brother Mike. I'm glad, man. Oh man! Whew. You know what I'm glad about, Brother David? <laughs> I'm glad that that old drunk walked in the church house, and the Spirit of God reached inside and grabbed his heart and said, "Oh boy, you need to get saved. You need to get right." I'm glad that Ronald Deans didn't run. He responded. And his life got changed, changed. So if the Lord's working on you, we sing a little song, didn't we? He's still working on me. 
to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars. Hey, aren't you glad he's still working on you? Amen. If he's working on you today, amen, don't run. Respond. Let's bow our heads today. Father, thank you for this time that we have had together this morning. Lord, your ministry. I believe with all my heart. God, there's someone here today. You have been working in their heart. Would you help them not to run? But God, today I pray that they will respond. God, I pray they'll not run from you. Oh, Lord, I pray they'll run to you. Right into your loving arms. And Lord, I pray that you'll save that one that's lost and undone without Jesus. That one, Lord, that's got something in their life, an addiction or a bondage or, Lord, something in their life, you've been dealing with them about that. I pray they'll not run, but I pray they'll respond. God, I pray that folks will come and they'll find their way to an old-fashioned altar today. Have your way in this invitation, please. And God, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit conviction. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many here today would say, preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I am saved and I have been born again, pastor, and I'm on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that between you and Christ, Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know that I know. Wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. I want to ask you this. Is there one here today, and you would let me pray with you? And right now, you'd say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand. In all honesty, I couldn't raise my hand. If I died, I'm not 100% sure of heaven. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've been confirmed. Maybe you... Uh, went through the Sunday school program, but you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've done all those things. I jumped through those hoops, but if I died, though, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And preacher, I want you to pray for me right now. You'd slip your hand up right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. I see that hand. Who else? Who else? Preacher, I've done this or I've done that. God bless you. Thank you. Oh, my Calvary. It's time to pray. Right before I pray, is there one more today would say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure. I want you to remember me. I see that hand. God bless you. God's working, church. God's been doing some unique things for the last few weeks and I believe God's doing some unique things again. Is there one more? I've saw probably at least four or five hands this morning. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one anywhere? I want to get you in on this prayer. You may have to raise it up and wave it at me so I don't miss you. Is there any more? Any more today? 
Would you stand with us all over the house? I'm going to ask our personal workers to make their way to the front. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to pray for these that have raised their hands. But it could be there's others here today that you say, Pastor, I am saved, but boy, I've got some things going on in my life. And man, oh man, I need some, I need some help. I need you to pray for me. I am saved, Pastor, but I've got some things going on. Boy, I need help. I need prayer. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to step out in just a moment. And I want you to come. We've got some folks down here along the front. And we'd like to pray with you today. I'm going to make my way to the front as well. And if we can help you today, I want you to come, all right? And so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Heavenly Father, we're standing right now between the living and the dead. Lord, I'm so grateful for these that have raised their hands and said, Brother Pope, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. I so appreciate their honesty. Lord, thank you so much for honest folk. And right now, Lord, I pray that you would do such a work of grace in their heart. I pray they'll respond to the working of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we'd love to share the Word of God with them. I promise we won't make them give a speech or anything like that. We won't do anything like that. But we would like to take the Word of God and show them how they can know that they know that they know that they know that they're going to miss hell and spend eternity in a place called heaven with a Savior called Jesus Christ. Father, have your way in this invitation, please. Others, Lord, are in need of a breakthrough. Somebody today is under some kind of bondage or a chain or an addiction or whatever it may be. And you've been dealing with them about maybe a sin in their life. And you've been dealing with them about that. And God, today I pray that they'll run to you and respond to that Holy Ghost conviction. God, please do what only you can now. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Well, some of our Calvary family ought to just come around the altar and just pray. Just come around the altar and just pray. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I raised my hand. If I died, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven right now. I want to invite you to come, all right? I'm going to make my way to the main floor as well. And we've got fellows here that are waiting to greet you with the Word of God. But I'm going to be here as well. And if you need to come, I'm going to ask you. And I know you say, Pastor, these aisles seem like they're about a mile and a half long. I know they do. But I'll make you a promise. I'll make you a promise. If you'll take the very first step, I promise you, He'll help you with the second one. I promise you He will. So while we wait, right now, while folks are getting help, would you come while we wait? Come on, come on, step out. Make your way right now. Come on, don't wait, don't wait. Would you come? Lord, give them courage. Give them courage to step out right now and come. We want to take the Word of God and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven. Will you come while we wait, while we wait? Listen. If you're watching the live stream right now, there's a number on your screen. I want you to do something for me. If the Spirit of God is working in your heart right now, I want you to reach for your phone. I want you to call that number right now. Call that number. We've got some folks that are standing by the phone and they want to pray with you. They want to pray with you about your need.
about your burden. Call that number, 704-327-5662. Call that number right now, okay? We want to help you. Father, I pray right now you give folks courage. God, give them supernatural courage. God, I pray they'll respond to Holy Spirit conviction. Oh, God, please. Lord, please work. Please, please work. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing and we're thankful for what you're gonna do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen.